Thank you. All right, good morning. Um, it's the first time I get to preach in big boy church, so I'm excited. Can I move this? Is that all right? I'm not going to get struck by lightning or anything, right? Oh, my goodness. I hope Jeff's not watching. Uh, all right, well, it's really good to be here with you guys. I'm, I'm super excited. It's, it's pretty neat. You guys have Jesus playing bass at your church. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, unreal, man. Um, somebody told me, like, hey, man, you're looking, you're looking bigger. You've been lifting. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm trying to look like Dean Detweiler <laughs> when, he, when he was a baby. So uh, anyway, maybe one day I'll get that big. But uh, no, it's really good to see you guys, really good to be here. I'm, I'm so thankful for your church. Uh, like, I, like everybody's already mentioned numerous times, my name is David Gardner. Uh, my wife and I, my, our family, were missionaries in Peru. And uh, this past term, we've been there for the past five years and two months uh, we left in January of 2013, and so we've been working in, working in Peru for the past five years. Uh, we've come back a couple of times. Uh, I was actually here about two years ago with you guys, but, um, you know, it's just been very short trips. So we've been working in the ministry in Peru. Uh, some, uh, if, if you were here in the 9 o'clock hour, just act like you never heard it and act all excited. Uh, so I'm going to retell some of it. But uh, we've actually, our ministries are focused on uh, two things, really. It's uh, church planning, leader training. Uh, and actually that's, that's what all our ministry is involved in and what we do. Uh, we've got a Bible college in Peru that was started by my dad in 1988. I grew up on the mission field. Uh, I was five days old when my family started raising funds to go to Peru as missionaries, and I was one when we arrived in Mexico where my family learned the language, and then I was two when we arrived in Peru. So I've been in ministry literally all of my life. I mean, I, I took off the first five days, you know, but after that, <laughs> I've been... I've been, I've been in ministry my whole life and uh, been involved in the ministry, been around the mission field and, and missions work. And thankfully, God's given me the opportunity to work uh, where I grew up, to work in the ministry where I uh, was born and grown, grew up. I, I got saved in that ministry, and now I get to work in that ministry. I don't know if there's a couple of pictures. I don't know if you've got them or not. Do you have all of them? Um, could you show my family? Um, that's, that's the best part of my my uh, ministry right there, and so I've been married for 12 years, almost 12 and a half years. Uh, my daughter Chloe is on the left in the pink skirt. Um, she's here with me. We're on a really long daddy date, so I'm really enjoying that. Um, she's big enough to where I don't have to change diapers and feed her, so uh, <laughs> now I take her with me. Um, so that's uh, Chloe. She's turning eight next week. Then uh, Allie is uh, five and a half. I said this in Sunday school. She's the crazy one. You can see it in her eyes. If you really just pay attention, you can see it in her eyes. Um, I think she just might be possessed by a couple of demons. But, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're praying for her salvation. Um, and then, No, really, we are. But, like, <laughs> um, she's not saved yet. Chloe got saved. Uh, you can pray for Allie. But I do also think she's demon-possessed. But um, James, James is two and a half. And after about two hours of taking pictures, that was the best we could get. And so um, just be praying, praying for our family. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's honestly the most important part of our ministry is, is uh, if I don't have a family, I don't have a ministry. And so if I lose my wife, I don't have a, I don't have a, a ministry. So they're my first ministry and just be praying for them. I'm very thankful I didn't bring everybody um, because it's, it's a very long trip. And um, I want her to be able to stay and, and be encouraged and fed by our home church as much as we can while we're on uh, furlough. We'll be here until next March, uh, March of 19. So just be praying for them. And then if you could show a picture of the Bible College or the team of pastors. So this is um, actually our 
Bible College property. And that's not our Bible College, uh, those aren't our Bible College students. Those are actually pastors and pastors' wives. They came in for a, or a marriage uh, conference retreat kind of thing for a week. And so that's what uh, that picture is of. But, you know, thank God we have between about 70 or 80 churches that have been started through, um, you know, our leader training, Bible college training, et cetera. And they're all over uh, Arequipa, the city where we're at. They're all over uh, Peru and even uh, all around the world. And so we've got, we've got missionaries all over the place, and we're really excited about that. Uh, we've sent, um, let's see, there's two missionary families that have been in Morocco that or that are in Morocco, they were. We sent two young ladies to Morocco, and then four young men for two-year internships there, and and we're hopefully sending two more uh, just in the next few months. So you can just be praying for that. Um, you know, it's really exciting to see a ministry that is actually sending people. It's not just receiving the help, but it's also training people and sending them out. And so you can be praying for that. And uh, I'm just going to leave it there. We don't, or we don't need any more pictures, so you can take that down if you want. But um, y'all going to be praying for us, be praying for our ministry. Uh, we're going to be here in the States until March on furlough, reporting to churches, uh, raising more funds for the Bible College. We're operating on a, on a shoestring budget, and so uh, we're raising more personal support. We're also raising per, uh, supporters for the Bible College. So you can just be praying for that and be praying for um, just some, just be praying for us, be praying for uh, wisdom for us. If you were in the Sunday school hour, I don't, I don't need to repeat it, but we, we just need your prayer and we need you to, to be praying for us. And that's just going to strike the curiosity in everybody else, right? So um, you won't miss the Sunday school hour next week, all right? Um, so um, yeah, you can be praying for us and be praying for the ministry. Jeff told me that I had 50 minutes, and I don't know, I'm just going to have to make something up, because I don't know if I can go 50 minutes. Um, I don't know if I've ever read my Bible long enough to give you 50 minutes material. Um, that's a joke, all right? Um, <laughs> like, it was, that was a nervous, like, <laughs> why, why don't we ask him to come, all right? Um, I just don't know if I can keep your attention. I'm not as good as Jeff, so I don't know if I can keep your attention. And also, the World Cup final is starting uh, right now. So, um, we're going to call. All right, let's be dismissed, all right? Um, Now, you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And and hopefully, this will be an encouragement to you. Um, You know, Jeff mentioned to me that this is your missions month. And mentioned to me that, you know, one of the most exciting things that we could see is maybe even if a young person would surrender their life to be a missionary, to go to the foreign mission field and preach the gospel. And uh, honestly, one of my prayers while I'm home on furlough is that I could see either a family, a couple surrender and take their next step to go to the mission field or a young person take their next step to go to the mission field. And I'm just going to be absolutely honest with you. Young people, you need to go to the mission field. And uh, you need to give your life to go to the mission field. And, and I'm going to say it just that clearly. Because I know that the, the, the immediate reaction is, uh, well, God doesn't call everybody to go. I know, but we really don't have that problem, right? We don't have the problem where we're like, whoa, 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 too many people are going to the mission field. All right, let's take a chill pill, all right? We need, like, that doesn't happen. We need to be sending people to the mission field. And so, young person, you should wrestle with that. I think every Christian... Every Christian should wrestle with the idea that maybe God wants me on the foreign mission field. It shouldn't be the exception. It shouldn't be like, oh, wow, that's a weird thing that just happened. Somebody went to the mission field. It should be like a normal thing that happens in our church where, like, I feel like God wants me to go to the mission field. 
You should, you should change your default setting from no to go, all right? You should change that default setting, and unless God stops me, I'm going. See, a lot of people are waiting for a, a major call to happen with their life. A lot of people are just waiting for something really big to happen, God to strike them out, you know, from, the, from the sky or something to be in, 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 written in the clouds. And honestly, God's given us his word, and he's told us to go. And so we should just go ahead and obey that, and, and our default setting should be, I'm going unless God stops me. I'm going unless God stops me. And so um, that, that, that's what I would encourage you to do. And the reason is because we have a short time on this earth. Uh, we're going to see something that happens in 2 Corinthians. Paul is talking about eternity. He's talking about eternity, and he's talking about what we live for. And see, um, I would like to take this morning and just ask you, what are you going to do with the time you have left? Let's just be real honest here. Let's just go ahead and admit that we're not going to live forever. We are going to live forever with Jesus, but not in this sinful mortal body. All right? Let's just go ahead and admit that we're going to die sometime, and, and it might be soon. All right? Let's just go ahead and admit that some of us have more time left than others. And let's just go ahead and evaluate our life, whether you are already retired whether you are already you got one foot in the grave or you are in middle school it doesn't matter every single one of us should go ahead and just realize we've got a short time on this earth um i'm 32 years old right now and i i I feel so old i feel so old i look at the young people like i on the inside i look like you guys but on the outside i don't all right on the outside everything hurts my knees hurt all the time i'm 32 what is going to happen when i'm 60 i don't know but it, it it time flies by I'll be honest with you, time flies by. You're not, you're not as fast as you used to be. You're not, as, you're not as sharp as you used to be. Like things start wearing out, you know, and, th- and, and time flies by. I, I look at my daughter and she's turning eight years old. And I remember when she was born, I remember holding her and I remember seeing her for the first time and, and tears running down my eyes going like, we made life. Like how crazy is that? And now she's eight. Tomorrow she'll be getting married, all right? It's gonna happen like that. Time flies by. I had one friend tell me that, uh, time goes by at the speed of your age. So if you're, you know, five years old, you know, it just goes by really slow, right? And when they say we're going to Disney next week, it's like an eternity, right? Like next week, holy cow, it's going to be forever. I'm, you know, it, it just takes forever. And then when you turn, you know, 10, 15, it starts going by a little bit faster. By the time you're 25, you're starting to get going. And in your 30s and 40s and well, you're in your 70s, I mean, you're just flying by, right? I, I don't know. I, is it true? Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you no longer, you no longer count in, in weeks and days. Now you count in, in years, right? And now you're counting, well, like a couple of summers ago, I remember what we did, you know, and, and a couple of summers ago, and, and that happens to absolutely all of us. And so one of the questions is, what are we going to do with the time we've got left? Because the exciting thing is that this isn't the end for us. This isn't the final stopping place. This is just like a, a pit stop on the way to heaven. This is a pit stop on the way to eternity. This is a, this is a pit stop on, on getting to heaven. And by the way, thank you for those amens. Like, I know they're in this section right here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it easy, all right? <laughs> See, what? look at what Paul says in verse 18. He's talking about life, death, suffering. He's talking about all these things. And he says in verse 18 what the focus of every Christian should be. Look what it says. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, 
right? Many of us waste our time looking at things that are seen. We waste our time looking at things that really don't matter, that things that are temporal. Look what it says. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Okay, so really the, the Christian's focus should not be on physical possessions. The Christian's focus should not be on physical pleasure, on physical relaxation. Like That's not really our focus, to be honest with you. It says the things which are seen are temporal. They don't last. And if you've been around for any amount of time, you realize that nothing lasts. That latest generation phone, that latest generation gaming system, give it a few months, and there's going to be a new one coming out. That new car that you love and that new car smell, oh, it's going to go away. It's going to smell like a dirty diaper soon, all right? All that stuff goes away. All that stuff goes away. That luxury car today is going to be the standard tomorrow. All that stuff changes. All that stuff goes away. Our physical bodies change. Our health changes. Things go away. And we're not sure of any of it because it's temporal. He said the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And so if the things that are not seen are eternal, then where should a Christian's focus be? On the eternal. If you look at verse 17, he's actually talking about a light affliction. He's talking about suffering. And you know, suffering and wounds and scabs and scars, those are temporal. But preaching the gospel is eternal. Preaching the gospel means that, that there's something that we can live for, for eternity. You know, when I was about 14 or 15 years old, all the students that would come down to Peru to be with my dad, he would tell them, I want you to write your obituary. He said, write your obituary out. And I mean, I had to write my obituary at 15 years old. And you think, well, that's morbid. And really it was the idea of, how are you going to be remembered? What's your life going to be about? What are you going to give your life to? Why are you doing what you're doing? Where is your life aimed at? And it really made me think, ever since I was a teenager, like, my life's got to count for something. My life's got to count for something. I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, but man, it's, it's got to be something important. It's got to be something important. And in verse 6, Paul starts saying the following. He says, therefore, because, you know, verse 1 through 5, we're going to be clothed with a spiritual body and, and a glorified body in the future. He says, therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. All right, so there's really just a very simple principle here. All right? If, if we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. And if we're absent from the body, we're at home with the Lord. Real easy, right? Basically, the, the question that I ask is, where are you? Where are you? Well, if you're here, then you're not there, right? Real simple. I'm a real smart guy. That's, I study the Greek, all right? For we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. Honestly, there's one of two places you can be. There's one of two places you can be. You can be here on earth or you can be with Jesus. You can be here on earth or you can be with Jesus. And honestly, we need to recognize that. Like, we're not just, it's not ending here. It's not finishing here. We can be here or we can be with Jesus. He said either we are, we are at home in the body or absent from the Lord or we are absent from the body and at home with the Lord. And honestly, what a Christian really wants is to be present with the Lord. Honestly, that's what... 
Man, all you young people are like, man, David, this is morbid, right? Believe me, I, I was in your shoes one time, and I remember saying, Lord, please don't come back. Please don't come back till after I get married. Please don't come back till after I get married. And then I got married, and I was like, well, this is awesome. Please don't come back till I have a kid. Please don't come back, because I want to be a dad. And then I started realizing the older I got, like, that's just foolish. Because at the end of the day, the best thing that we could have is Jesus. Better than any spouse, better than any child, better than any possession. You know, but how many times do we go, Lord, please, just please don't come back till I get this contract. Please, it's really, oh, please, Lord, don't let it rain. Please, just, I mean, just let me make my money, let me get a boat, and then you can come back. <laughs> you realize how foolish that sounds? We should want to be with Jesus. That's really our desire. Our, our heart's desire is that we want to be with Jesus. Paul says it like this, and I'll read you a few verses. I don't know if y'all put verses up on screen or not. If not, you can look it up in your Bible. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19, he says it like this. He says, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain, is gain, is gain. He said, none of us really believe that, right? To die is better? Like, there is some weird thing about a Christian that they, we just want to die pretty soon, because we want to be with Jesus. We want to die because we want to be with Jesus. That's what Paul says. There's this kind of theology, philosophy of death. Like, we want to be in Jesus' presence. We want to be raptured up with him. We want to be with him. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet, w- yet what I shall choose, I what not. I really don't know. For I'm in the strait betwixt two. I'm between a rock and a hard place. It says, having a desire to depart and to be with Jesus, which is far better, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the Lord is to be present in the body. You know, we've, we've got this weird tension that the Christian lives in. We've got this weird tension that a Christian lives, lives in. He, he wants to be there, but he's here. He wants to be there, but he's here. That's a weird tension that a Christian lives in because we're not citizens of this earth. We're not citizens of this earth. You can face the possibility of death, but until you're dead, you're going to be a citizen of a different country. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 says the, the, the following. It says, for our conversation is in heaven. Our lifestyle, our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 14, for we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Ephesians 2, 19, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We belong somewhere else. You ever feel out of place? You're out of place right now. We want to be with Jesus, but we're here. How many of you guys would say, I want to be with Jesus? Like, just let's be honest. I want to be with Jesus. They told me to do this. I want to be with Jesus, right? I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with him. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be in his presence. But it's just, I mean, please, don't go out of church and run into a wall at 30 miles an hour. Don't do that. Like, that's not what we're talking about. So we're here. So the question is, what are you doing? That's the next thing. Look at verse 6 through 8. He says, we want to be with Jesus. Look at verse 9. Look at what verse 9 says. 
So if we're absent from the Lord and we're present at home in the body, verse 9, it says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Whether I'm here or whether I'm there, I want to please Jesus. Let's just stop a minute and think about that. The decisions you're making in your career, the decisions that you're making in your family, the decisions that you're making about your future, does it ever involve, is this pleasing to the Lord? Does it ever involve, this is what Jesus would want me to do with the short time that I've got here? Is it ever across your mind, man, I just want Jesus to be happy with this. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. Look what the verse says. It says that we may be accepted of Him. Now let's stop a minute right there. Let's stop a minute right there. You are accepted. Okay? Let's just, you're accepted in Jesus. All right? Your position before God is that He has made you accepted in the Beloved. That Jesus sees you and He sees His righteousness in you. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says that He who knew no sin became sin for us that we may, might be made the righteousness of God in him. You are God's righteousness. If you're a child of God, God is pleased with you. Man, he's super happy with you. He loves you just like you are. And he, he thinks you are awesome, all right? He thinks you're the best. He thinks you're the best because he doesn't see you, thank God. He sees Jesus, all right? When he sees Jesus, he thinks, man, I'm, uh, that, that, that's my favorite kid. And that one too, and that one too. He thinks, man, his kids, they're just his favorite. And you are accepted of him. So let's not lose that part you know like we don't have to live the rest of our life going man I I just hope Jesus is happy with me man I just man I'm, I bet he's mad you know I heard one preacher say God loves you and he likes you too all right so God thinks you're great and you're accepted of him just like when I'm married I'm accepted of my wife you know it's so funny I got married 70 pounds ago all right I got married a long time ago uh 12 years ago I was a hundred I was this tall and I was 155 pounds when I got married. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I just looked like a toothpick with an afro, man. I really, I was, I was just so stinking skinny. It wasn't even funny. And when I, I told my wife, you know, just feeling insecure, man, I just don't like how skinny I'm. She's like, I just don't like muscle. I don't like, I don't like, I like skinny. I like skinny. And then I started working out a little bit and gaining a little bit of weight. And she's like, man, I've always liked muscle. I'm like, you are, <laughs> you're a liar. You're a liar. You know, got married at 20 years old, had no hair on my chest, and she's like, I just don't like hairy chest. And then all of a sudden I started becoming a man, and uh, I started growing a little hair on my chest. She's like, I've always liked hair on your chest. I'm like, you are a liar, all right? And it's just the same with husbands, right? Like we marry our young wives, and, and, and we tell them, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. You know that's not true. Like, <laughs> There's a, there's a reason that, like, modeling agencies aren't calling your wife, all right? <laughs> and this sounds, this sounds terrible, but let's just be honest, okay? <laughs> and we tell our wife, you know, after three or four kids and after 20 or 30 pounds, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. You're, you're, <laughs> you're kind of lying, Okay? <laughs> But you know what's, what's hidden behind that is love. Like, and I really do believe that. I think my wife's the most beautiful woman in the world. My standard of beauty is my wife, right? And if you don't look like my wife, then you're not pretty. Sorry, all right? 
but why? It's because I love her and, and, and I accept her and she accepts me and it's a beautiful picture. That's why Jesus says in Ephesians 5 that, that, that a, a, a marriage looks like Jesus in the church, right? There's so many good analogies there. And I'm trying to get somewhere with this. The fact is that you're accepted, okay? You're accepted. But just because I'm accepted by my wife doesn't mean that I don't treat her nice because that wouldn't be acceptable of her. Like, just because I love my wife and she knows I love her, my papa, uh, my papa's from Tennessee, that's why we call him papa, my papa told my mama, <laughs> the day we got married, I told you I love you. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay? That's not acceptable. Okay? That's not acceptable. I love my wife. And because my, I love my wife, I try to do things that are acceptable to her. She accepts me. If I leave all my dirty underwear on the floor, and if I don't make my bed, and if I just, you know, act like a pig all day long, she's going to love me. She's going to accept me. That's not really acting acceptable to her, is it? It's not acting loving to her. And so there's this position where we are accepted before the Lord. But at the same time, we want to live an acceptable life to Him. Something that is acceptable to Him. He says, whether we are there or here, Verse 9, whether we be present or absent, we may be accepted. So let's just take a break. Jeff gave me permission to preach this, so, you know, yell at him when he gets back, all right? Let's just be honest. When you look at your life, the decisions you're making, the things you're looking at, the trajectory of your life, the places you're investing your time, money, and enjoyment, and pleasure. When you're looking at that, and you really take a step back and analyze it, because you really say, I'm living an acceptable life to him. Let me just read you a few things that are acceptable to him. Or please him. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He's pleased when we help other Christian brothers not to fall. Romans 14, 18, for that, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. He's pleased when his children get away from evil. Now let's just be, let's, somebody here, I don't know, but I mean, statistically, there's somebody here that's being a hypocrite. And you're not living the way you should. You're living in sin. And nobody knows it. You might be looking at things that you shouldn't. That doesn't please Jesus. He doesn't like it. And you're his child. And 1 Corinthians 6 says that wherever you go, you take him. And whatever you join your body to, you join his body to. So about missions, right? Um, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. He's pleased when his children allow him to do his work in their lives. It says, now the God of peace, Hebrews 13, 20, the God of peace that brought, you, brought, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, there's a lot of things that please the Lord. If you're living in sin, you need to get it right. If you're living, living in secret sin, you need to get it right. If you've got bitterness in your heart, you need to forgive. You need to get it over with. All right? But there's one thing that pleases Him and is well-pleasing over all things. One reason that God has put us here on this earth. One purpose that God's given us to live our lives for, and that's to preach the gospel. I'll prove it to you with Bible. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. God is begging the world through us, be ye reconciled with God. There has to be a great zeal to serve God in this life because this life is short. You've got to have a great desire to serve Him. You've got to have a great desire to give your life for Him, to give your money for Him. You've got to put your eyes on the goal. You've got to put your eyes on the mark and go, I'm living my life for that. I'm living my life to reach people. I'm living my life to give to others. I'm living my life to see other people saved. There's people in Africa that are dying and going to hell. I've got to live my life for that. <coughs> There's people in Peru that need the gospel. I'm going to live my life for that. There's people in Arequipa that are dying and going to hell. I need to live my life for that. There's people all around the world. And we know the terror of God. We know the judgment is coming. We know that he's going to, he's going to judge every person according to their works. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. How many times... Throughout the day, do we go, man, there's people in here that need to hear the gospel. When we give to missions, how many times do we go, yeah, this is worth giving to right here. Honestly, young person, when's the last time you thought people are dying and going to hell? And my life could count for something. People are dying and going to hell, and I could do something. No, but you're young. Man, you got a scholarship. Man, you got, you got so much potential. You could do so much in this life. Temporal. Or you could live for eternity. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says in verse 20, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel. Strived, lived for, to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, Jesus says it this way, remember? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me stop you right here. You want to love missions? Give to it. Have you realized that you love whatever you invest in? Oh man, I put so much money in my Fortnite account. Oh. <laughs> kill me, kill me, please, all right? Oh man, what do people talk about? Oh, did you see this new car I bought? Oh, it's, oh, it's awesome. It just feels like, a, like, like you know, the leather's just hugging you when you get in. It's, it's okay to enjoy what God's given us. Oh, man, have you seen my new, oh, have you, 
What, do, what we invest in is what we love. People think that we, we, we love, we, sorry, what we love we invest in, but it's really what we invest in we love. And it's not that, that, that your, your money follows your heart. It's that your heart follows your money. It says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to love something? Invest in it. You want to love missions? Invest in it. You want to love the Lord? Invest in his work. You want to love? Invest your life in those things. If we could just invest the same energy in God's work, in the ministry, like we do sports. And it's unbelievable to me, unbelievable to me how America just lives for sports. I mean, everything revolves around it. What would happen if parents, instead of everything revolving around sports, it would be church? Oh, it's just, that's just fanatical. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Jesus did that much for us. What if, what if we invested the same energy in God's work as we do business and money and friendships? The gospel would have a greater impact in this world. If we would just see the need to preach the gospel to the whole world and the need to give our lives for that, we would see more people saved and changed. Nobody knows how much time we have in, our, in this body. You don't know when, when you're going to die. You just don't know. But you can determine how you're going to live. You can't determine how long you're going to live, but you can determine how you're going to live, how you're going to use this life. Maybe you're a doctor, you're a businessman, and you're like, David, like, it's too late. It's too late for me to give my life to missions. No. doesn't mean you're necessarily going to go to the mission field. But if, if all you're living for is retirement, all you're living for is just a little more money, something's wrong. You know, young couples, families, if all you're living for is, man, I just want to buy that dream house, oh, it's going to wear out. It's going to devalue. If all you're living for is just that next pleasurable thing, young people, if all you're living for is just one more follower, oh, it has no meaning in this world. Jesus says that we're created for him to good works. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Look, let's just be absolutely honest. I know this isn't really lovey-dovey and super exciting, but man, I'd, I'd, just, I'd love to see somebody surrender their life to go to the mission field. I'd just love to see somebody really adjust their life change their lifestyle a little bit to be able to live for something that matters in eternity. I'd just love for somebody to go out these doors and try to find a friend that they know is lost and share the gospel with them because time is short. I'd love for that to happen. Because one day, what are you going to have to show for it? And that's what we're going to finish with. I've still got like 50 minutes I don't know where the time's gone. <laughs> Nobody gets mad at, at a preacher that cuts it short, right? Verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All right? Could all of you raise your hand? All? All? All right? Somebody's asleep or dead? All? All right, if you've got your hand raised and you're alive right now, you're going to appear before the judgment seat of the Lord. Now, let's be careful with this. But it says, 
we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. So God's given you a body, God's given you life, and the works done in your body, the works done on this earth, will be judged. According to that, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now let's pause here and be real careful, because there's two judgment seats, right? And so, you know, I heard growing up from other preachers that there was going to be a day when I went to heaven and we were, I was going to be judged and there was going to be a TV screen or a projector screen and they were basically going to show my life, all of my life, and they were going to show everything. They were going to show everything I had thought, everything I had said. They were going to show every sin. They were going to show everything. And then I could go into heaven. And that's just not true. Okay? Because all of my sin has already been judged on the cross of Jesus Christ. All, right, all of my sins have already been judged and, and, and I'm not going to stand before the great white throne. You know, I've already been judged through Jesus. And so, when they put a screen up in heaven of my life, all they're going to see is Jesus because my sins have been forgiven. My sins have been washed away. Past, present, future, God's forgiven me. Revelation chapter 20 tells us of that great white throne. All right, and that's to the unbeliever. The unbeliever will be judged and will be judged for all of his works. Verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were ju judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and death had, and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That is going to be a terrible day. That's why we need to preach the gospel. That's going to be a terrible day. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you need to put your faith in Him. You need to put your faith and trust in Him so that you can avoid judgment, so you can be forgiven, so you can have new life in him, because that day is coming, and he will judge. We think, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Why does God let bad things happen here in the, on this earth? Don't worry about it. He's going to judge it one day, because he's a good God. He's going to judge every wicked person. And if you're not saved, you're one of them. And you need to be saved. We're not going to be judged according to those works, because Jesus already was judged for me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Romans 8, 1, it says, Now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ. But the judgment that we're going to face in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 10, it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment that we're going to appear for is not for condemnation, it's for evaluation. It's not because you're going to be condemned. It's because you're going to be evaluated. All right, son, I gave you 30 years. All right, son, I gave you these abilities. All right, son, I blessed you with earthly wealth. All right, son, I blessed you living in America, hearing the gospel from a young age. I blessed you with a local church. All right, son, I blessed you with all the opportunities. All right, son, I gave all those things to you. I expected you to work with it. I expected you to do something with it. Now let's see what you did. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 4, 
he says that there's going to be one way to judge those. It's either going to be uh, silver, gold, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Things that just burn up and don't matter, or things that are eternal. Things that, things that are long-lasting, that can, that can support the judgment, that can go through the judgment. Romans chapter 14 and verse 8 says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For, this, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm sorry, it wasn't 1 Corinthians 4, First 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 10, it says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire will try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire is going to try your work. You're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to see what you've done with the time you've been given. You're going to stand before him, and he's going to ask you, what did you live for? You're going to stand before him, and he's going to judge our works. It says, Verse 14, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. It says you're going to be saved, you're going to be in heaven, but you're going to be smelling like like a bonfire. (laughs) Like basically you barely got in, all right? (laughs) Like you just barely got in and you didn't bring anything with you. Paul wanted his work for the Lord He wanted to work for the Lord because he wanted to be sure that his life wouldn't be a bunch of wood, hay, stubble. Honestly, let's just stop and think. Do you really think that when you get to heaven, God's going to say, so what car did you drive? Like, let's just be honest. Do you really think that that when you get to heaven, God's going to say, all right, well, show me all your degrees? Do you really think that when he gets... When you get to heaven, he's going to go, son, tell me how much you can deadlift. Nope. Do you really think that when you get to heaven, all that stuff's going to matter? Tell me how many kills you got in Fortnite. (laughs) Jesus doesn't care, and we don't either, all right? Um, (laughs) Y'all got that, all right? I get more amens with that than anything else. Do you really think Jesus is going to care? Let's just be honest. What kind of car I drove? Oh, man, I dated the prettiest girl in high school. All right? What would you do for eternity? Oh, how much did you set up for retirement? He's not going to ask you that. How many boats did you have? Nope. You know what he's going to ask you? What would you do with what I gave you? Show me what other people are saved. Show me what people are in heaven because you shared the gospel with them. Show me how many churches have been planted because you went to the mission field. 
Show them how many people were able to do the work of the Lord because you gave to missions. Show me how many, show me how, how you raised your children to fear and love the Lord. Who cares if they could score a touchdown? You really think God's going to care? Let's just be honest with you. Show me how you raised your children to fear the Lord and love Him. Show me how you gave your life to preach the gospel. Show me, show me that. That's what's going to matter because the rest, wood, hay, and stubble. It's not going to last. And there's a lot of time that I've wasted with my life, to be honest with you. I've started in ministry young. There's a lot of time that I've wasted. But I think for the most part, when I get to heaven, hopefully I'll be able to say, yeah, I, I invested it well. I invested it well. Look at all these people that got saved. I can't take anything to heaven with me. I can take people. I can't take money, but I can take people. I can't take my degrees, but I can take people. Only one thing I can take to heaven with me. That's other people. And so, you know, just to finish, I'm finishing early. Just to wrap it up, let's be honest. What are you going to do with the time you have left? To some of you, that's going to mean I need to pray more and give more. I need to go on more short-term missions trips. I need to, I need to give. I need to be involved. To some of you, it's going to be, Lord, I've thought my kids are my own this whole time, but they actually belong to you. I give you my children. It's funny, we'll give our children for our country. We can give our, our children to the Lord. Send them to the mission field. So to a young person, it's going to take a radical change. Some of you young people, it's going to be today. I surrender to go to the mission field. I give my life to go be a missionary. To a young couple, that might mean I'm giving my life to go to the mission field. Every single one of us should take a time and go, I need to look over my life. Because one day, one day, I've got to give an account for everything that God's given me. And I want it to be pleasing to him. Look at what verse 9 says one more time and we'll finish with this. It says, Whether, wherefore we labor, we work, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to preach your word. Lord, I ask you that you would work in our hearts and lives. Lord, so many of us just live for the temporal. We live for 